Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, why do we choose from two people for president, but over 50 for Miss America? Hi, America. Hello, world. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites, and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and retrobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of that would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show and we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace the darkness. Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Paranormal and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now the audio and EVP expert with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather has experimented all week to discover why so many rabbits die on the highway when carrots are so good for the eyes. There goes another (laughs) one, unfortunate. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Heather. Hello. We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim discovered this week that a fly without wings should be called a walk. Hi, Kim. Welcome to the show. (laughs) I'm guessing it was a slow week for you. (laughs) Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also our producer and sound mixer. Greg worked out this week that if a piano player is a pianist, then a race car driver should be a racist. 
Welcome to the show, Greg. <laughs> yeah, well, fantastic. Show 27. It's good to be back in the studio. I miss being in here. It's always yes. good fun. We always have a lot of laughs. Mm-hmm. I always get abused terribly. 27 is a very important number. I've done some research this week. Did you know 27 is the result of adding together the integers from 2 to 7? So you're looking at me blankly. 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5 plus 6 plus 7 is 27. Atomic number, of course, for cobalt. I know you was all going to say that. There are 27 signs of the zodiac in Indian astronomy. So I don't know what they've added to the list. Probably a guinea pig or something like that. I don't know. Small furry (laughs) mammals, perhaps. No team in NFL history has ever retired the number 27 shirt. So if you're wearing the number 27 shirt, what are you doing? Why aren't you working hard enough? Why aren't you practising? <laughs> Obviously, the football season's going to be starting soon. If you're wearing 27, you need to get your finger out, is what I'm saying. There are also 27 bones in the human hand. Have you had that many bones in your hand, Greg? No. Nope. Fair enough. <laughs> we had an investigation last week. We was at the Wyndham Theatre, and uh, also we managed to do an investigation at the library as well so we investigated the library first we walked literally next door after that investigation to the theatre next door and investigated that as well it was very interesting this is a follow-up investigations because last year we were very kindly invited to explore the library and investigate there and of course everyone's thinking of the Ghostbusters film aren't they you know when you go into the library and there's the old woman and she's telling everyone to be quiet but we had a very interesting moment when we were there last year where a book just literally flew off the shelf. So that was quite impressive. But uh, what do you recall from that investigation last week, Heather? Do you remember the uh, the investigation in the library? You're looking at me blankly. You were there. <laughs> I, I remember sitting next to you. Oh, uh, We were in the, the kids' room, and uh, another object fell off the shelf, which was a bobber um, that was conveniently planted right by your motion sensors, if I remember, Kim. Yes, we thought it might be a good idea to uh, put some trigger objects around the room on the back of the fact that we had a book thrown at us. Well, I think it was Kim that had the book thrown. The book thrown thrown at us. In front of me, anyway. (laughs) Have you often had the book thrown at you? Nope. Fair enough. (laughs) There is a first time for everything. And then we retired uh, when the films were finished playing at the theatre. We then went next door to the theatre. And again, we investigated there um, last week for the second time. It was another follow-up investigation. This must be one of the oldest theatres stroke cinemas in the whole of Minnesota if not the Midwest because that building was built in 1914 and it's one of the oldest buildings still showing films that's in existence I can't believe there's many cinemas I can't even think of a film before 1914 to be perfectly honest unless it was a steam train coming towards you and everyone evacuated the auditorium thinking they were going to be run over but there we go but one of the things that was interesting last year about that investigation is like all small kind of colloquial cinemas they were really struggling financially because all of the film of course is distributed now digitally and they need a digital projector and uh, no longer analog of course and digital protect, uh, projectors are very expensive you know they run at seventy, eighty thousand dollars which is a vast sum of money when you're only open on a friday saturday night and charging a couple of dollars each for a ticket as some of these smaller cinemas in towns do so last year we was on the back of the stage there's a, used to be a vaudeville stage back there and changing rooms and bits and pieces. It's no longer in use, of course, because the white screen sits in front of that. But one of the ghosts that came through was a little girl playing on the stage. And we have some fabulous audio recordings. I played them last year, actually, on the show. Um, and this little girl said she wanted some money. 
and we asked her why and she said she wanted the theatre to stay open and uh, that she said if the theatre closed she wouldn't be able to stay there anymore and play on the stage and so forth so this was something we used to then go to the media and say you know ghosts want theatre to stay open and subsequently the money was raised there was donations from outside of the state as well I believe so that was fabulous but we wanted to go back there now and see if the little girl was still there I believe she said her name was Maggie if you go back and listen to our EVPs when we were chatting with her but that was quite remarkable what do you remember from that Kim you was you was there on the stage with us uh, we had this shack hack going and I heard her say thank you and then I also heard her say say you're welcome <laughs> you're absolutely right I, I wanted to ask her what she felt about us being there and having raised or helped raise the money and uh, again if we can get these bits of audio for you we will play them perhaps over the next few shows when we can organize our audio it's still a bit fresh there's a lot as you know if you investigate and you have a video camera running and three you know dvrs running one hour of investigation suddenly turns into four hours of looking through and listening to evidence of course so we are working on that but when we find those recordings over the next few weeks we will actually play those on air i'm sure greg will weave his magic and we'll have those lined up for you uh, in the next few weeks if you listen to the show so that was a fabulous couple of investigations all on the same night there greg there was also something you picked up as well wasn't there on the stage yep i usually watch through a flutter thermal imaging camera and could see a figure that was moving around behind you and uh, it was colder wasn't it that was yeah, the point yes. i i did sense when i was standing on the stage a uh, stage that an apparition or a spirit had come up behind me and i felt that psychically you know when someone's standing behind you you know when someone's looking at you um these are the things that kept us alive when we were cavemen of course because a saber-toothed tiger could easily come along and eat one of us that wasn't the case in the Wyndham theater i might add um, but I did feel as if there was a spirit <laughs> coming towards me. And Greg, um, you're absolutely right. You had a thermal imaging camera, a FLIR it's called. And you actually picked up a, a cold humanoid shape behind me there. So it's always nice when your your psychic skills and the things that you're feeling can actually be backed up with science as well. But hopefully in the next few weeks we'll have some audio for you. And if you're interested, we shall play those for you. We shall start our first round as always as Ghosts and hauntings and everything's to play for remember we're looking for points for interesting horror shock and awe and being funny so what have you got for me tonight heather in the round of ghosts and hauntings well something very exciting underwear stealing ghosts made my life hell woman freed from paranormal perverts by a hypno exorcism i tell you what i've got a ghost there you go <laughs> yeah wow greg i didn't i have to wear that i'll have to wear that cologne again um, I've got a ghost that steals my socks. I mean, just one, of course. But uh, I have. There are. Uh, I, I seem to have a big pile of odd socks. Just <laughs> does he always put them under the bed? Then yeah. odd oh, socks. Oh no! <laughs> Greg's on minus three. <laughs> He's off to a flying start. Fabulous. Do continue. And no, they're not wedged under the bed. <laughs> uh when her underwear started going missing, little did she know it would signal the start of a, a two years of hell. Because what would have been dismissed as a slight annoyance was actually the work of forces beyond this world and one of many paranormal pranks that would ruin Pauline Hickson's life. I've had some underwear disappear before. It went right on my bottom when I was riding a bicycle. <laughs> I don't think it was anything wedgings. paranormal. It was a wedgings. <laughs> The 58-year-old says she was forced to move from her home seven times in two years 
because she has been followed around by two ghosts who would steal her bras, take her jewelry, and even use the shower. That's a very clean ghost, isn't it? I wonder if her husband's got some sort of drug or drinking habit. Just saying. Or she's living with teenagers. I don't think she's married. I think she's single. Oh, okay. The 58-year-old says she was forced to move home seven times in two years because she has been followed around by two ghosts who would steal her bras, take her jewelry, and even use the shower. But now, after a so-called... Hang on a second. Why would a ghost need to use a shower? I don't know. You could have an exorcism in a shower, couldn't you, just if you got Pope on a rope? Do you see where I'm going with that? (laughs) It could be blessed at the Vatican. You could have Pope on a rope and you'd never have to fear paranormal interference in the shower ever again you're terrible i can see a very dark vortex yeah (laughs) 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 but now after a so-called hypno exorcism a little known ghost busting technique she says she is free of the mysterious spirits and finally living her life it's amazing how those hypnotist sessions always make my bottom sore adrian (laughs) (laughs) She moved into her. I've not touched home. a cigarette since, to be fair, but you know. She moved into her current home in Essex Street, but when things started going awry again, she sought help from medium Anita Gordon, who led her to Hull's well-known ghostbuster Steve Nishaw. He put her under hypnosis, which he combined with an exorcism, and the results were instant. He reported feeling a blast of cold air and then saw an old, large man and a 14-year-old boy fly past him. Since then, Pauline has not experienced a hint of paranormal activity in her home. So there was an old, fat man and, and a, a small boy, old boy stealing her bra and underwear and showering with her. Yes, that were ghostly. It would take a long time if you was a ghost and you went in the shower to get your sheet dry, wouldn't it? You'd have to go in a tumble dryer or something. Or peg yourself out on the line in a windy day. There's See, an easy way to solve that problem. Just don't wear any. Just don't shower. Oh, oh. just don't. How old did you say she was? 58. 58. Trust me, she needs underwear. Oh. Adrian! <laughs> no. I'm sure she needs a bra. <laughs> Well, yeah, my mum said if I had nothing nice to say, not to say anything this went at all. straight downhill. It did. The bell's been overused in the first round already, quite remarkably. I apologise. The views expressed by Adrian. Yes, if you're going to write, if you're going to write into the show, Greg's in charge of the soundboard. I'm going to jump straight to a graveyard now in England. It says man fined for pretending to be a ghost in a Portsmouth cemetery. Police spokesman says. Oh, there we go. Someone's been at the all-you-can-eat buffet, look. Police spokesman said witnesses complained about Anthony Stallard throwing his arms in the air and saying, Ooh. <laughs> A man has been fined for pretending to be a ghost and other rowdy behaviour in a cemetery. Anthony Stallard pleaded guilty at Portsmouth Magistrates Court. That's a difficult thing to say. Portsmouth Magistrates Court. If I say it three times in a row, a genie will appear and we shall get a wish. To using threatening or abusive words or behaviour likely to cause distress. The court heard that the 24-year-old had been out drinking with friends. So I'm guessing he was on spirits then. When they went to Kingston Cemetery in Portsmouth, England. And they started to play soccer. Soccer in a graveyard. That would make soccer far more interesting, wouldn't it? If you're stumbling around and you're... So you're admitting soccer's boring? No. I'm just saying... (laughs) There's Devil's a, advocate. Well, baseball would be more interesting, wouldn't it, if something happened. 
It's just a lot of men in pyjamas running around and an opportunity to eat vast amounts of food from what I can gather. But, uh, you know, perhaps it gets interesting every time they score a touchdown or something. <laughs> I, um, Hampshire police said spokesman said the witnesses complained to the police about Stullard's rowdy behaviour and he's pretending to be a ghost. The witness reported one of them throwing their arms in the air and saying, woo, he said. Stellard of South Sea, Hampshire. Did you like that? That's my best impression of a ghost. Ooh, cheeky. That was cold. You need to warm your hands up. Stellard of South Sea, Hampshire was fined $50 and ordered to pay a $30 victim surcharge and then $30 in costs. Apparently it's expensive being a ghost, isn't it? He also had an extra three months added to a conditional charge for previous harassment which he was found to be in breach of, according to the Crown Prosecution Service spokeswoman. A charge of causing criminal damage to gravestones was dismissed, as probably the ball failed to hit any of them, I suspect. I was waiting for the article to finish by saying that in a cruel twist of fate, Mr Stellard was indeed a ghost, having died in 1997 and was duly charged with wasting police time. <laughs> I remember being in London many, many years ago, and there's a park there called Victoria Park in East London, near Bow, Mile End, Hackney, all those areas. And I remember children playing out on the field, out on the grass, and using drunks from the Saturday night before that were lying in the park, hobos, and dragging them into position and using them as goalposts. I genuinely <laughs> saw You're that happen. Lying. I saw you a soccer match. Up. No, I, you can't make things like that up. Were they goalie too? I genuinely <laughs> saw a soccer match take place between a group of children that used drunk hobos as goalposts. Wow. I swear to God, it's the astonishing truth. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? China's latest weird attraction, simul- simulate your own death. Ooh. A game in Shanghai that simulates the experience oh of dying God. hopes to provoke people into questioning the meaning of He's life. He's going to kill me. He's going to kill me. What have you done wrong? What did you do? Did you wash your socks separately or what, what took place there? I just Very strange. The Chinese are a very strange race when it comes to death. They've yes. uh, got some strange traditions. What does it go on to say? Uh, the Samadhi 40 experience of death uses dramatic special effects to simulate a feeling of dying, with players made to compete in a series of challenges to avoid death. That's like watching an Expendables film. <laughs> <laughs> Controversial and topical in many respects. <laughs> Those who are not successful are laid down on a fake crematorium conveyor belt which uses hot air and light projections to create an authentic experience of burning. Why Excellent. would you? I don't understand that because when you die, I'm assuming you're not with the body anymore. The soul or the spirit departs from the physical realm. You know, on earth as is in heaven. You know, you're in heaven first in spirit, and on earth you're physical. It seems bizarre. There's no. Something's gone badly wrong with your day, does it not? When you're sat in a pretend coffin pretending to be cremated. I mean, that's not how your day should be going, is it? I'm suspecting. Well, you sat there with a fork and a marshmallow. How does this work? There's a scene in a James Bond film, isn't there, where he's trapped in a coffin and they're starting to cremate him. Ooh, I don't remember that. Yeah, with I'm sure that's Sean Connery. I'll have to look that up. But that sticks in my mind. Okay. He gets rescued at the last minute. As he always does, of course, because he's James Bond. I believe the article says that they spend five minutes in the coffin. And then uh, they simulate a rebirth. 
well, you've got to get your mother there. And you, I can't. <laughs> I was curious to know just exactly. Yes, the article doesn't talk about what the rebirth is, but I was curious. Well, That's I, you an know, awful not, big. I know. My head and shoulders are quite large now. I'd feel quite sorry for my mother. That wouldn't be the way to go, would it? <laughs> She'd have to have a couple of gin and tonics before we tried that. That's outrageous. And you don't. It doesn't say how they do that. The, the rebirth. It doesn't, doesn't no. mention. Well, no. we'll wait. We'll wait and see what happens next. No. No. Uh, the winners in the game will also have to die, of course, the article says, as everyone will die eventually, no matter what they've survived. Yes, I just don't want to be there when it happens. You shall get points for awe and wonder. I have one more story in our round of ghosts and hauntings. It says, will my dorm be haunted? Ask new university students. New students asked dorm providers to reassure them that there were no ghosts or spirits in their new accommodation. While the majority of sixth form pupils getting their results will be gnawing their fingernails over their grades, some have been wringing their hands over rather more bizarre concerns, such as whether their accommodation at university could be haunted. New students are usually worried about the price of beer, whether they're going to make friends and where the nearest late night pizza parlour is. And why is there a strange rash that's very itchy? But some oh, youngsters have... What? Just my university experiences then. But some youngsters have been posing some rather more taxing questions to staff at Unite Students, which provides homes for 44,000 students across the UK. One female student destined for university in Nottingham was worried about ghosts and wanted assurances her room was not haunted. When staff asked her to elaborate... She asked if the room had ever been occupied by ghosts or spirits. A male student heading to Huddersfield thought the accommodation he was considering was ablaze after he looked at it on Google Earth and spotted what he thought was smoke. What could that possibly be in student accommodation if he thought he saw smoke (laughs) coming out of a window? He rang staff saying, before I go and view, can you reassure me that it's not on fire? I guess this was just his roommate wearing a blazer and some flares another female student wanted to know how close the nearest graveyard was unite student staff used mapping tools to reassure that the closest graveyard was in fact some distance away well who wants to be disturbed when they're studying by the dead playing soccer at all hours of the day and night richard smith unite students managing director said we do all we can to make sure our properties are a home for success for our students There are some of the more entertaining examples of the huge volume of requests we get, but I'm very glad that in each case we are able to set the student's mind at rest. There's a lot to be said for getting your questions in early, as competition for places means rooms get taken up early. Which I guess means if you will be left behind with a fire-damaged room full of ghosts next to a graveyard if you don't hurry up and get in. It amuses me and amazes me what these students' preoccupations are. When I left home at 18 to go to university, my prime concerns were, does it have running water or roof, and do I have to do my business in the backyard? I mean, if this is all they've got to worry about, you hear what I'm saying? Is that a common thing? What, doing your business in the backyard? Yeah. I just like going outside. It's very liberating. (laughs) You know, you mark up your territory. It's very Neolithic, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Like a caveman. No cats or animals came into the yard, I can assure you of that. Number two? There are. There are. In, in London. There are more There are indeed. <laughs> there are zoos in London that if you go into the gift shop, in amongst all the erasers and the pencil sharpeners and the candy and little, you know, rubber elephants and everything else, there is a section 
that sells lion poo. You can buy lion poo in a bag. And does anyone... Yes, I feel sorry for the keeper that has to catch it, to be perfectly honest, because, you know, you want to grab it before it hits the ground. <laughs> There's a guy chasing after a lion, you know, with a big bag and a shovel. And I guess he's got a better job than the guy that has to chase after the elephants. And what are you supposed to do with this bag of lion well, poo? Have this, a snowball this, fight? There's a point. That would be a pretty rough snowman, <laughs> wouldn't it? Wow. You'd look like one of the Jackson 5 out there, wouldn't you, by the end That's of the day? That's a crappy job. <laughs> it is indeed. Does anyone want points? At this moment in time, because everyone's on three, except Greg, who's on minus three. So there is some sort of parity there. Um, does anyone want to know, can they guess why you would sell lion poo in a bag? Anyone want to jump in? For the garden. Oh, you're close. You're, it is for the garden, but it's not for any of the plants. What would be a problem in your garden, do you think? Bugs. The deer. The deer. You've never been to London, have you, Kim? No. No. <laughs> um, I'm thinking of Shoes. my garden. It keeps cats away. It keeps cats from your garden. Oh, because the yeah. lion's quite a large cat. And can imagine your average cat comes along, gets a whiff of your pile of lion poo that you've put down there and thinks, God almighty, I'm not going in their garden. They've got a lion. I mean, that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? But yes, they, it's, to keep, it's to keep cats out of your garden because they'll sniff that and think, I can't compete with that. That's outrageous. <laughs> and they'll go and wee on next door's plants. So everybody's happy in many respects. We are at the end of the first round. As I've already discussed, we are all on three with Greg on minus three. So we move to the round. It is UFOs, cryptozoology, green men and hairy beasties. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology and cows and guinea pigs and lion poo? Pastafarian fights to wear colander in BC driver's license photo. I like those short, snappy titles you get on newspaper headings. Yeah. You're making your own words up. That's a compound noun. Pastafarian is not a word. It's a pastafarian. It's not a word. It is a word. It's two nouns compounded. It's a word. Yes, you can show me a bit of paper with it written on. (laughs) I can write down any old... I could write... Look, I'm going to write tremendous on this piece of paper. That's not a word? I've written it down. It's on a bit of paper. Surely tremendous exists. I'm telling you, it's a word. Okay, we shall look that up and there'll be points to be had. An unusual religious headwear battle has hit a boiling point in Surrey, British Columbia, where a Pastafarian is fighting for his right to wear a colander in his driver's license photo. Obi Canuel. Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh, you're going to love this whole They're not the droids they're looking for, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Who is an ordained minister in the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Does that mean he can marry people? Now we got the Wizard of Oz characters in here too. I don't remember the spaghetti monster in the Wizard of Oz. I don't know. Oh, they're flying monkeys. Oh, there was. What a close, of course. Uh, Says the Insurance Corporation of British Columbia is denying him the right to be able to wear the spaghetti strainer on his head. The 36-year-old says he believed he would be able to wear the kitchen accessory when he renewed his license last fall because the ICBC confirms and affirms the right to religious expression. But the insurer disagreed. In a letter, they told him there is no religious requirement that prohibits you from removing the colander for the purpose of taking the photo to appear on your driver's license. The ICBC said its religious head covering policy strive to strike a balance between the respect for the driver's religious beliefs and a need to preserve the integrity of the licensing system. The company said it would not issue a new driver's license without or with the colander photo, 
but encouraging him to go to any office and have a free calendar, free photo taken. I wonder if this is putting a strain on him. Oh, Adrian. <laughs> God. <laughs> I had two minutes to think of that. <laughs> I'm quite, I'm going to give myself points. This is where we are. I'm on five now. Um, the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster was created nine years ago by a U.S. man to satirize certain aspects of creationism. It follows a belief that an undetectable flying pasta creature created in the universe after drinking heavily. They have an altar where they uh, worship the lasagna. I don't know if you know that. It's spaghetti. Or how the lasagna... Pasta fairing, it's pasta. But it's boschetti... Yeah, the boschetti monster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you see, I went all Chicago. monster. (laughs) Wow. You've just been channeling a Chicago (laughs) Italian mobster. Wow. You should have points. At least four countries, including the U.S., allow pastafarians to wear colanders in driver's license photos. (laughs) There we go. Do you love that? I want to wear one in the next The biggest question I have, um, and I don't know if you can answer this for me, is uh, how's that UFOs and cryptozoology? (laughs) (laughs) It is the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. <laughs> Are you not getting that or what? Yes, you should. Uh, I thought of another word beginning with T. A, do you have a Biscetti Monster? <laughs> not on me. The word tenuous springs to mind. God, I'm almost reluctant to give you points there. I mean, you know, it was interesting, I guess, but, you know, maybe funny in places. Okay, I'll give you two. You're on fire. Oh, <laughs> All to play for. I'm going to go to uh, UFOs because this is the round of UFOs and cryptozoology. It says, who is the man on the moon? Strange figure spotted amongst the craters. One YouTube user believes he has finally found proof of the mystical man on the moon. He claims to have made the incredible spot of an alien figure lurking in a deep crater from images on Google Moon. That must be a tough job, mustn't it? Driving around the moon with a camera mounted on your car. I mean, who knew? I didn't know that was even possible. Wow for Real's video, which has been viewed more than 2 million times in less than a month, shows what he says could be a creature walking along the surface. So this is the ghost How of... How does he know it's walking? Well, it looks like it's walking, I guess. It's the ghost of Michael Jackson. Moonwalking. <laughs> Moonwalking. <laughs> he told UFO... He only had one glove on as well, which I thought was very odd. He told UFO sighting daily... An irregular shaped dark spotty notice on Google Moon looks like it'd be casting a shadow from a massive standing object or figure. It is really there, not faked. I have no clue what it is. I found nothing else like this in any of the craters, he said. However, the most likely explanation for the sighting is a psychological phenomenon called pareidolia. This is the brain's response to seeing faces and other significant objects in random stimulus. This is where you see someone's done a number two and it looks like Abraham Lincoln and they sell it on eBay. Well, for real, seems to have quite... It's difficult to carve them, I have to say. You have to get it right on the way out. Just The nose has always been a problem for me. You could always well, play with it. Well, I played... Mold it. Oh, look, I've made a dinosaur. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's going to give you a mega sore ass, isn't it? Well, for real, seems to have quite a habit of spotting strange objects in Google Moon images. In January, he drew up and flagged up triangular shapes that he believed to be a spaceship or secret alien base. The images used to create the lunar images of the moon come from NASA, but the space agency has yet to comment on the discovery. I would suggest 
that this is a web user, of course. He spends all of his evenings staring at Google Moon, looking for odd-shaped rocks, and I suspect he probably hasn't got a girlfriend and probably wears ill-fitting clothes as well. Oh, hang on a second. It goes on to say he's, in fact, a state director for MUFON. Greg, any stories you wish to share with us about a photograph of a moon? Well, we, we saw that video on... <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't quite the response oh. I was looking for. You saw a video of what, Greg? Of that uh, picture that he has of the the man or the figure on the moon. And it does look like somebody standing there, and you can see the shadow going away from it. Absolutely, you it's, took me completely by surprise. Wow! By actually using a sentence. <laughs> no, you are you are nope. back to zero. Fantastic. <laughs> You're absolutely right. It does look like there's someone standing on the moon. And if you wish to see this image, I have posted all of this week's stories on our Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee, where you can sit and look at your own leisure. All of the fabulous technicolored drawings, paintings, graphs, photographs of the bizarre strange. All the video of the ghosts, the hauntings and the strange objects that are flying around in the sky. I just want to add also this week that I saw a woman post on facebook do you know when you see those uh, facebook seems to be awash with people making really cliched comments with really twee little drawings of fairies or wolves and the moon and mm-hmm. you know just it just love and light absolutely and i saw a woman post she posted on facebook this week that she said women are like the moon she said some of them some of them are hidden you see what i mean see what i'm saying there some of it is hidden I sat there thinking, no, it's because you're cold, inhospitable, hard to access, and not many men have been there. So wow. there we go. Hit no, I just, again. I just, you know, find <laughs> Facebook so full of this kind of, you know, honey-coated, sugar-saccharine, cliched kind Wasn't of... that on your page? Yeah, that was on my page, yes. <laughs> <laughs> men are like the moon. <laughs> men like the moon. This, do they? I don't know, do they? Greg? No, I did. Do you like the moon, Greg? He doesn't know. (laughs) Well, there we go. There are indeed more questions than answers. Kim, we're in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology. You're on three points and all to play for. You're two points behind Heather and myself. Two-headed dolphin washes up on beach in Turkey. Was that just the one or did the other one speak on? Oh, there we go. That's got it. Thank you, Greg. (laughs) The conjoined so it's very polite how the first head waited for the second one. <laughs> no, Greg. It might be triplets. <laughs> it's a three-headed dolphin guarding the, the gates of Hades. Who knew such things? There's a story in there dying to get out, Kim. Uh, the conjoined corpse was found by a shocked sports teacher who was holidaying in Izmir, Turkey. The remains of a two-headed dolphin have been discovered on the beach. Stunned holidaymaker Turgal Maton spotted the dead dolphin as it washed up on shore in the district of Izmir on Turkey's west coast. The 29-year-old sports sports teacher said one of the marine mammal's eyes were not fully formed. I was completely shocked. I noticed the dolphin in the sea and watched as it washed up on the beach. I couldn't take it in at first. I thought my eyes were playing tricks on me. I've never even heard about a dolphin like this, let alone seen one with my own eyes. The dolphin pup was approximately 12 months old and measured one meter in length. Mr. Mayton called the police who removed the conjoined corpse from the beach. How do you decide where you're going to go? You've got your little you know, flipper at the back there. You're going to maneuver through the sea. How do you decide between you if you're going to go left or right? 
I was amazed when I actually saw the picture of that story that it lived to be what almost 12, a year 12 old. Twelve months. Yeah, I'm yeah. that's too. about a year. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think whatever? <laughs> once chewing its food, I mean, I don't know. You know, it's very odd. Do you think he had a girlfriend? Do you think there was like a female dolphin, and one was interested in her, and the other one wasn't? Or did Not they? Not a year old. Did they? Oh, well, I don't. Yeah, you're right. What am I thinking? I must be mad. It's only a year old. <laughs> I don't know when. Do, when do dolphins get frisky? I have no idea. We should have learned from that other story, right, shouldn't that story, we? Yeah, we should have yeah. done some proper research <laughs> <That's right. laughs> instead of just huddled around here making it up as we go along. So you shall get two points for being interesting and for shock and awe value, which brings you up to a f- resplendent five points on parity with everyone, everybody else. With everybody else, except Greg, except who's on Greg. a nice round zero. But all is to play for. I have one more story here in our round of UFOs and cryptozoology. It reads, Edinburgh's famous military tattoo is often billed as out of this world, but a mysterious sighting has given that phrase a whole new meaning. Tourists lining up for the spectacle spotted an unusual sight in the skies above the castle, and it wasn't a jet fly past or an exotic bird. Exotic bird, have they ever been to Scotland? They think of Bloody Mary, there's an exotic drink. The oddly shaped light in the sky was captured by Catherine Stewart and her mother Susan who were in line for Saturday's late-night tattoo before 10.30pm. Miss Stewart, who lives in London but is originally from South Africa, said she had no explanation for the strange apparition, which disappeared soon after they photographed it. The 31-year-old said she thought the weird object was a bird at first. She added it was very strange to see because when we looked at it again, it didn't look like a bird. I thought that when I saw Chaz Bono, by the way. It was hovering around. (laughs) I've got time. I'm here all week. It was hovering around and then it disappeared. It was a weird shape like a square light. I have no idea what it was. But rather than off-the-wall theories about alien activity, there may be a perfectly logical explanation which still involves space. It is likely that the sighting could actually be the International Space Station, which has been spotted by several people in the city over recent days. NASA's Spot the Station website, which gives detailed information about the optimum times to spot the ISS over the capital skies, said that the residents have a chance of getting a glimpse for up to five minutes at a time. Sounds like summer in Scotland, to be perfectly honest. You get to see that for a glimpse at five minutes at a time. I can't believe, having seen the photograph, that it's the space station, because I've seen the space station. It's like a small white dot that kind of goes through the sky late at night like a satellite this was actually quite large it actually looked like a metal flying saucer hanging there in the sky above the castle so i find that very hard to believe but then who would have thought there'd be lies and intrigue and meta narratives to do with the world of ufos and nasa stay with me for more of the same after these short messages from our sponsors The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal. The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien abductions, cryptozoology, Bigfoot crop circles and ghosts. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where, why and how of these phenomena. Meetings are from 7 to 9pm Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website, lapig.org. For people who believe that standing in cold, dark basements in the middle of the night for hours and end is perfectly normal. Or indeed, standing in Scotland on a cold summer, 
thinking that exotic birds are flying over in the sky when it really is the International Space Station. The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos and guest speakers. Anyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone who has, this is the place to be if you have ill-fitting clothes and still live with your mother. Meeting agendas, driving directions... I don't mean that. MUFON's a fabulous organisation. I love But they the do wear colanders on their Yes, they do. This is true. <laughs> Can't deny it. And tons of UFO information. They don't provide the colanders. You have to bring them with you. Can be found at mmonmufon.org. If you of your business would like to sponsor the show and contribute to the beast that is more questions than answers, you are more than welcome to contact me. You are listening to more questions and answers, which makes you very well-educated, lucky, informed individuals of remarkably good taste. Well done and drinks all round. Please don't tell my mum and dad what I do. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend, that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know. Which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. I am your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania for introducing the world to dirty hobo water and sometimes the annoying inability to say Abominable Snowman live on air. <laughs> Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. If you have just joined us, then where have you been? And what could have been more important? If you have stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying we still have 50% of the show still left to go. Hurrah and a happy dance all around the bedroom. High fives all around. I've been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother has thankfully now stopped snoring from the room next door. I did actually get an email from my mother this week. I think for the first time in maybe three or four years, she's actually listened to the show and actually questioned why I say she's snoring in the room next door. (laughs) Bearing in mind she's in London and I'm 4,000 miles away, but she is obviously a heavy snorer. So, you know, there's that connection, I guess. This does come from a place of reality because many, many years ago, and I worked out of the uh, Twin Cities in Minneapolis on a, a Clear Channel show on 100.3 K Talk, I did actually do some shows from the house in London when I was over there visiting. And you could actually hear at three o'clock in the morning, due to the time delay, which would have been nine o'clock here, of course, my mother snoring in the room next door. So, like all good things, it is in fact based in reality. We are in the round now that is the strange and the bizarre. Those stories that can't find a place anywhere in the show but are strange enough and bizarre enough that we want to read them out and have some fun with them. Greg is on zero. I'm on five. Heather's on five. Kim is also on five. And everything is to play for. So what have you got for me tonight, Heather, in the round of the strange and the bizarre? Oklahoma. Where the wind... <laughs> yep, that's wind. <laughs> Greg, I can smell onions. What's wrong with you? <laughs> teacher has been jailed for being drunk at school and not wearing pants. I wish my teachers would have done that at school. Uh, you should have seen a picture of her. You wouldn't have wanted Fair that. Fair enough. It's a woman, is it? it? Yes, it is. It's a woman. Can you imagine going out in the morning? Well, I'm and- hoping you would have wished it was a woman that wasn't wearing <laughs> pants and not I a man. I just wanted entertainment <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> I was, as I'm sat there in the boring 
kind of lessons in a miasma of chalk dust and mouldy books in a school for the terminally frustrated and infinitely almost interested. I just wanted something interesting to happen. And the teacher wearing no trousers in the classroom, male or female, would have presented that moment of comedy for me. So, uh, you know, I don't mind. I'm happy either well, I'm way. I'm thinking just... of all those parents out there that are having their kids start school. You might need to watch out a little bit for this. Isn't this your worst nightmare when you're asleep at night? You're in, you know, as a teacher every year, you know, when the next day is the first day of school, you know, in September or August. Your worst nightmare. You're dreaming, aren't you? Walking down the school corridor, stark naked. I was going to say other things then, but we're on air. No clothes on, you know. <laughs> you can fill in the gaps. I'm just, you know. Was Do your you teacher f- rocking the 70s then? Well. Oh, oh, that is kind of I don't of know. Hard. What do they teach? Is it geography? Oh, <laughs> God. I, um, I just think that's your worst. Can you imagine leaving the house in the morning and thinking, I'm sure I've forgotten something. No, I've got my lunch. I've got my lunch. I'm sure now I've got my car keys, but I'm sure there's something. I've, I've forgotten something. This nagging kind of picking of my unconscious. You know, I'm sure there's something. No, no, I've definitely got my, you know, my marking and my books with me. I can't, you know, you walk into the classroom. I mean, just uh, do you, what point do you have a sentient moment and realise and look down, you know? That you're not wearing pants? And the first thing I would say in that situation is, well, it's okay, kids. You know, I always don't wear trousers on a Tuesday. And the or kid, the first day of school. The it's to loosen them up the a little. Would say it's Wednesday and you'd say, oh, I feel such an idiot. You know? oh. I thought it was no trousers <laughs> Tuesday. My mistake. There we go. <laughs> an Oklahoma school teacher is starting the school year behind bars. Behind. <laughs> no that's not how you want your school to start is it? Just, where's mrs johnson she's in jail because she wore no trousers she was taken to jail after allegedly sh- she showed up at she, school she, she, drunk in wagner oklahoma which is in the northeast part of the state according to the tulsa world wagner police say Lori ann hill 49 was caught in her classroom with her pants down and was arrested for public intoxication. Where does one lose one's trousers on the journey from leaving the house and getting to the school? Did at some point, I mean, some Well, apparently, point, they, maybe they just fell down, according to this. Okay. They were just around her ankles. Ah, oh, so she had trousers with her. They just weren't properly attired. Uh, apparently, and, and she kind of liked it that way. Yeah, and there was more hair to comb and two more cheeks to powder. Oh. I see where we are. <laughs> School officials contacted the police Monday morning and claimed Hill appeared disoriented. I don't know why. She, was, My art teacher was kind of like that. <laughs> hey, hang on. All art teachers are meant to be like that. <laughs> she was found at the high school, at the high school no less, in an empty classroom. I don't know why either. Uh, officials say Hill was recently hired by the school district. I bet she doesn't work there any longer. I would suspect that's probably true. I've got an article here that says knife falls from the sky into Chinese man's head. A five-inch kitchen knife falls from the sky and enters the head of a 57-year-old man from Sichuan province. Last Thursday morning, 57-year-old Zhao Yunzi was taking a stroll in his hometown of Gungun in Sichuan province when his head started feeling strangely heavy. But it was only when the local tobacconist stared at him, slack-jawed and pointed to the top of his skull, that he realised something was amiss. Mr Zhao was passing underneath a high-rise apartment block when a five-inch knife, kitchen knife, fell from the eighth-floor balcony and embedded itself in the hilt 
on the left side of his head, but without piercing his skull. You know you have learning problems, don't you, when a five-inch blade enters your skull up to the hill and it still misses your brain. As soon as the problem <laughs> had been pointed out, pain washed over Mr. Zhao, and he sat down in the street while somebody called an ambulance. It was terrifying to see, said his younger sister, who only identified herself as Miss Zhao. The knife handle was sticking out of the top of his head. How does one not know? Surely some sort of sharp throbbing would be in evidence. I mean, you could genuinely start picking your nose and then have your finger off. Do you see what I'm saying? If it's kind of, you know, going through and... You thought that... What on earth? It says it fell from the eighth floor of a balcony in an apartment. What was you doing on the eighth floor on your balcony? Peeling potatoes. With a knife. With a five-inch blade? (laughs) How big are your potatoes in this country? Well, I wouldn't even attempt a pumpkin with one of those. I find the whole thing wholly remarkable. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of The Strange and the Bizarre? A North Carolina man arrested after beating police in a donut-eating contest. He beat the police? Yes. With a donut or just ate more? In the contest. Ah, I bet the police weren't happy with that. The streets of San Francisco. Do you remember that? Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? I see where we are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Bit of singing. Bit of light entertainment for everybody. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right, yeah. They, right, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, police great. actually Fabulous singing, Heather, congratulated enjoys. him. Really? Yes, but the rest of the story is what's funny. He died from sugar diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought sugar diabetes was a Welsh boxer when I was a kid. Oh. You have to have a working knowledge of Wales for that joke to be funny. Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> People with a Welsh background will find that joke funny. Okay. Or not. <laughs> Good times and points all round. <laughs> Greg's looking for crickets. Don't you even dare. Why not? Why not? Uh, North Carolina man who beat the police officers in a donut eating contest got his just desserts the next day after they See realized he that there? he was a wanted man. Oh, no. Bradley Herbert entered the cuisine eating competition at the Elizabeth City Police Department's National Night Out Against Crime and won it by polishing off eight donuts in two minutes. Eight in two minutes? That's, That's a it? donut every 15 seconds. Did he chew it? That's going to be the real cold sweats, isn't it, about a day later when you're sat there and you're sweating on the toilet and you've got all the... No, it's just me then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the field that the 24-year-old oh, defeated included local police officers and firefighters. I did congratulate him, Lieutenant Max Robeson said. Good for him. He can eat a lot of donuts. Good for him. <laughs> he sounds like he isn't upset by the fact that he lost. Yeah, I'm really glad he won. Good for him. Excellent. <laughs> yep. Good for him. I have no problem with having lost to this gentleman in any way, shape or form. I wish him the absolute best. He deserved to win. Good for him. Good for him. Yep, good for him. Uh, the day after the contest, officials realized that Herbert was wanted in connection with two break-ins that happened at a local grocery store's Thanks to a story about the suspect's eating prowess. When I came in that morning and read that article, I was pissed because it's like throwing it in our face, Robeson said. We've been looking for you for months. I didn't ask him if he won a trophy. He probably did. I love the fact he just walks up as a wanted man, eats all the donuts, sticks his finger up and leaves. (laughs) Have you had enough or do you want some more? Uh, It's like he had the audacity to do something like that, knowing that he had broken into these places. 
Did they catch him then? Yes. They did. They so if him. he was sitting on the toilet, as you suggest, it was in the cell. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> With a trail of sugar to where he was hiding. Fabulous. There shall be points all round. All of us are on seven. Greg is on minus three again for cricket sounds and everything is to play for. I have a story here called Willie Nelson's Hair Up for Sale. Fans of music history will have the chance to buy some unusual memorabilia in October, including some of Willie Nelson's hair and Buddy Holly's motorcycle. Is Willie Nelson dead? No, I don't think so. Well, why are we buying his hair now? I thought Willie Nelson, I know nothing about country music. When I first read this, I thought Willie Nelson was a wrestling hold. (laughs) That's a full Nelson. (laughs) Is it? Yeah. Well, well, if you get a half Nelson, is it? I just thought it was a really bad move in wrestling that you wouldn't want to have done upon you because it was a Willie Nelson. So would you be interested in Willie hair? I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. I would I would suppose the people that have to submit samples Kim's of ignoring hair. you. Yes. People who have to submit samples of hair for drug testing, maybe they buy it online or something. <laughs> this whole pillowcase is full of pubic hair available for those that want to pass cocaine tests. Pubic hair available if you wish to remain sober. Whatever's wrong with you both? Just there'll be stuff in mattresses with it. It's too late at night. So this is willy hair, is it? And it's now it's available for you to buy in October. That's terrible. He he made a cut part of his braided ponytail off. Greg, that's exactly what happens, sir. You shall be back to zero. Fantastic. The items are part of an estate of Wallon Jennings, which is holding an auction of around 2,000 items. Owned by the country singer who died in 2002. No, he can't be. Did Wallon Jennings die? Waylon. Waylon I don't know who these people are. I have no idea. Oh, God. I but thought. Waylon Jennings was the one that lost the coin flip when Buddy Holly took the airplane. Oh, that's right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Well, it oh, was. It was um, it, this is actually in the article. I go on oh. to mention this. But Greg <laughs> stole my thunder. But you're absolutely right. This is true. And you shall have um, more points. It says here according to the New York Times, Jennings' personal effects included a pair of Hank Williams cowboy boots and a set of braids formerly attached to Nelson's head which were presented to Jennings at a party in 1983. I'm sure he just wanted a gift voucher, to be perfectly honest. But you are right. They're actually from his head. You'll be pleased to know. As for the motorbike, it was one of Holly's last major purchases, bought around a year before the Peggy Sue songwriter died in 1959 in an aeroplane crash. Jennings was also supposed to be on that flight. He was touring as Holly's bassist, but gave up the seat to J.P. Richardson, the big bopper, just before departure. Two of Holly's associates presented Jennings with the Black Aerial Cyclone about 20 years later as a birthday present. The auction organised by Guernseys will take place in Phoenix, Arizona on the 5th of October. I know nothing about country music. I actually thought the Boxcar Willie um, was a bad infection I caught backpacking through the Greek islands, but thankfully it turned out to be lipstick. Um, So if you want to clone Willie... Nelson, like some sort of Jurassic Park themed attraction, you can now start bidding on his hair and you could have a room full of willies in no time at all. Greg, (laughs) big fan of country music? Oh, not really. Okay. (laughs) Ever been in a room full of willies? (laughs) He has to think think about it. (laughs) 
The wrong. fact that you I'm had really to think about it is outrageous. <laughs> there ends the round of the strange and the bizarre. And if any, if any time there was a round that was called strange and bizarre, that would be it. Greg is on zero and we're all on seven. So there are points to be won and had. In our final round of the night, which is not for your mother, be warned, this is the round of the stories from around the world. From the websites, newspapers and TV stations, I can hear the music playing, that we have to wait till last to read out, because they are not for your mother. If there's any small miners in the room, then you're probably living with Snow White. And ultimately, you need to remove those people. Be warned that these stories are not for the faint-hearted, for those that are easily offended. That's great, isn't it? Funky. It is funky. You need to put your clothes back on, Greg. It's very off-putting. <laughs> Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? I will show everyone a picture. Put it away. It's not your mother, is it? No. Oh, okay. I've seen those. Yeah, I'd have to get it out of your wallet. <laughs> oh, that's the only thing you're getting out of my wallet. Here's the picture for the story. It's Dirty Bird Carta Food Company defends... Hang on a second. There's nothing worse, is there? I'm glad for for a radio show you're showing a picture. Yeah, I am. I am. I'll put it up on the page. I'll tell you exactly what it looks like. Willie Nelson. Well, it has half of that right, Greg, yeah. (laughs) And it's not the Nelson part. There is a logo. I'm looking at a logo at the moment. I'll describe this as a graphic designer. It's uh, very well designed. It's uh, symmetrical. And uh, it has overtones and meta-narrative running through it of uh, what I would describe as a twig and berries or a gentleman's baubles. And uh, the vegetables are there and everything's on display. And the meat. But it's in the shape of what looks like a chicken. A cockerel. A male chicken. I'm sure there's no jokes to be had there. It has a beak and an eye and uh, a crest on it. And there's a few feathers. But ultimately, it is the human and it's very well drawn yes. you know there's a good variation of thickness of line it's tonally aware it's a it, rude phallic has, logo well it is that indeed we shall post that on our website if facebook allows us of course on more questions and answers yes. with adrian lee customers have complained that the chicken van logo is too rude but owners say it was not designed to be that way at all i'd ask for my money back then because it looks like a cock and balls it does <laughs> Sorry, I just, it's got a beak on it and an eyeball, but I could draw that on with a Sharpie right now. They have defended this design to the end of time, but some customers have said they have been left shocked by the logo. One person said, I was queuing up with my two young sons when I looked at the logo and realized what it represented. Well, you don't mind them being subtle, but you don't want it rammed down your throat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's not the sort of thing that should be on display around children. Another customer uh, said the food was finger licking good. Now, hang on a second. I want to know if a child would know what that looks like. Some of them have them. <laughs> what are you saying? About I'm half? I'm just saying about half. Probably half. About them. half. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, you should get minus points right straight off the bat. You're back to five, madam. How dare you? This is outrageous. She'll be touching me bell next. Well, it's not as long as it isn't your baubles. Uh, the food was finger licking good, but when I saw the logo, I was a bit shocked. It's not really what you would want to think when you're tucking into your meal. And I was a little shocked, but I would still come back for seconds. It's going to leave a bit of taste in your mouth, isn't it? <laughs> It's a creamy sauce. Oh, no, you can't. you've blown it. You can't do that. 
What? That's outrageous. Biscuits and gravy. There you and go. And chicken. We'll be taken off the air very shortly. If you hear people <laughs> banging on the door, you keep going and I'll take them on. Um, uh, we'll never, we've never really thought about it like that. Our designer created a D and a B for Dirty Bird, then pushed them together to make a cockerel. I can see some D and B pushed together to make a cockerel. <laughs> <laughs> The food company also has produced saucy giant posters telling customers to touch my thigh and to touch my breast. Wow. It's not Kentucky Fried Chicken, is it? That's for sure. Outrageous. And it's done exactly the job they wanted it to do because we're reading about it on air and we're posting it all over the the internet. So they are getting all of the things. What are you thinking of the picture and logo, Kim? She wants to take it home with her. Yeah, you can keep the bit of paper there. Have it. I don't want it, Kim. Take it away. You have it. You'll have better use for it than me. I have a story. What's wrong with you? Everyone's been drinking. Did I miss when everyone got a drink? Did I go out of the room? When I nipped out to the toilet earlier, would you you pass around some Windsor Pepsi or something when I was gone? What's... What are you talking about? I see exactly where this is going. (laughs) I have a story now that says hotel threatens guests over logging craze no one even knew about. The hotel has been forced to send out a letter to its British guests threatening $2,000 fines for anyone caught logging in swimming pools whilst on holiday. The bizarre internet craze that no one had heard of before until now has apparently become a favourite pastime for boost-up Brits abroad, according to one holiday spot in Egypt. The owners claim participants are deliberately pooing in their crowded pools before watching the carnage unfold before them. That did make me smile. Well, we'll all get in the hot tub later, guys. What do you say? But this is outrageous. I did. It says the letter sent by First Choice Hotel Egyptian Red Sea Holiday Village said they were being overwhelmed by the number of logging cases recently. We understand that incidents can happen and accidents can happen, but the frequency of this suggests that it no longer remains an accident, the letter said. <laughs> the hotel, which is popular amongst Britons for hen and stag parties, also implemented warnings over loudspeakers. It's like Nazi Germany, isn't it? It added that they hoped guests would remain vigilant against the practice. Travel law expert Nick Harris of Simpson Miller Solicitors said, this is a very worrying trend and the craze has really taken off in the last few years. We have dealt with hundreds of cases where people have been left seriously ill well you could choke couldn't you if you were doing the breaststroke and you got the timing right you know what i'm saying (laughs) some idiots think it's humorous to deliberately poo in a crowded pool and then sit back and watch the carnage unfold as people try to escape the pool like a panic scene from the film jaws you can almost hear the music now can't you Ding 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 Oh god We're going to need a considerably larger net. He added, quite frankly, it's very disturbing and selfish and it ruins other people's holiday. What would be more impressive is if you did it from your fifth story apartment balcony that overlooks the Oh, this is a fabulous new idea. We'll call this depth charging. (laughs) Was it Caddyshack? It was Caddyshack, yeah, with uh, Bill Murray. And now we know why a man had a knife in China 
on an eighth floor on his balcony. Fabulous. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? British inventor builds giant fart machine to fire at France. He needs to be knighted. The man's got to be a sir. (laughs) What a joy. The French are minding their own business, eating their snails and frog legs and asking, you know, if you ask directions in France, the person just goes and shrugs their shoulders. This is joyous. We're using all this British knowledge and creativity and uh, it's not going to waste. This is where we are. You know why they did it, though? Sorry, that great? You know why they did it? Because they're French. No, 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 it doesn't no, need no. to go any that, further that than had, that. It was just in retaliation because the English were throwing a firecracker across the the, the water. Channel. French were picking it up, lighting it, and sending it back. Oh, I see oh. where we are. <laughs> Fantastic! That's twenty-two miles at its narrowest part. So I'd like to see the guy that throws that. <laughs> Greg is back to a resplendent three points. He has made a positive integer. Who knew such things? <laughs> Uh, Colin Furs' huge valveless jet engine housed in a specially constructed pair of buttocks <laughs> buttocks <laughs> was placed in Dover and aimed in the general direction of France. Is that Ben? Oh, don't. Dover is a place. <laughs> Dover is the White Cliffs of Dover. <laughs> There'll be bluebirds over the White Cliffs of Ben. Of Ben, no, just me then. <laughs> like, before we've even started this story, he's built a jet engine. And a shed, and he's found a location in Dover, the nearest part to France, that's 22 miles. Already, I'm thinking the guy needs to be knighted, or have some sort of title given to him. <laughs> it's just a joy, isn't it? Can you believe, can you imagine the French reading about this in their newspapers? I wonder what these strange noises are that are coming over the channel. Is that yeah. what they sound like? Yeah. That was more Welsh, to be honest, but I'm, I'm working on my accents. <laughs> <laughs> you want things like Mr. Simpson? <laughs> That sounds about right. That's juice, anyone? Outrageous. Everyone that comes up, we have to give a title to so we can number them, all the different types. I'm just saying, that was called juice, anyone. This one's called the princess. Go for it. Oh! (laughs) No, that's just going to... Yeah, yeah, you need to throw that away. That needs bleaching. I don't... That's just outrageous. (sighs) This next one's called Amoebic Dysentery on India. No, that's the trumpet blowing. Almost like Get a, any more? Yeah, what else have you got there, Greg? He spent all oh. week recording this, you know that. He goes into the bathroom. A lot of his, meals. I know, it's is where we're going. <laughs> is there any, a cheeseburger. Oh, a cheeseburger. That's the Indian. <laughs> Coleslaw. <laughs> you can almost, I'm feeling sick. He's making me feel ill. I actually did one and you didn't notice because Greg's oh. been... I just, this now allows me a carte blanche... It's awful humid. ...to do whatever. This is an sticking. airtight studio at the end of the day. It's sticking to the roof of my mouth like a cheesecake. It's outrageous. <laughs> so what else is he doing? He's got a jet engine. He's got I was going to mention that he's a plumber and an, and an inventor. A plumber and an inventor. Yes. Wow, a very talented young man. Um, the machine, which Furs will house in a pair of specially constructed buttocks, is a giant pulse valveless jet engine as used in Nazi V-1 bombs during the Second World War. Okay. That creates a plume of fire to go along with its deafening roar. It's not rocket science. (laughs) Oh, yes, it is. (laughs) Furs hopes to mount the contraption on the cliffs of Dover on July 24th. Brilliant. I love it. The man needs to be knighted. I'm sorry. He needs to be a (laughs) sir. Furs' previous homemade inventions include a pair of pneumatic wolverine claws, magnetic magneto shoes, hand-mounted pyro flamethrowers, all inspired by the X-Men films, a 50-mile-per-hour baby pram, 
Well, that's useful. <laughs> and a fire-spurting mobility scooter. He needs to make himself a girlfriend, I would suggest, would be the next thing on his list. <laughs> the fart machine was aimed at France at 6 p.m. on July 24th. Furs tweeted that a faint rumble was audible over the channel. <laughs> With video footage due to be uploaded soon. A faint, a faint rumble. There's people... Oh, jeez. There's people in Calais. What is these strange noises I hear coming across this channel? That's your mother. That's not... Oh. Oh. I'm that was the logger. That was that the logger. That's the logger. I have one story left on Not Fear Mother. It says man accidentally killed himself with vibrator, inquest hears. A man accidentally killed himself after a vibrator became lodged in his body, an inquest has heard. Nigel Willis, 50 of Forest Hill, spent five days with the sex toy stuck inside his body as he was too embarrassed... Which part? ...to go to the doctor. Um, well, I'm guessing it got placed somewhere where a lot of these noises would probably be coming from, I'm guessing. That would make a big build-up. When if you had it stuck there for five days, it's like some sort of bung. I mean, you could position yourself over someone's balcony over a swimming pool and let the bung out, and that's like five days of build-up. I'm just saying, you know, this is where we are. Like a cork, perhaps. Coming out of a bottle. Southwark Coroner's Court heard he lay on the sofa and complained of feeling dizzy and weak to his mother in the house they shared. All becomes clear, doesn't it, when a 50-year-old is living with their mother and gets a vibrator stuck in a part of their body. I'm guessing there's not too many parts of the body for a gentleman. Um, there's only one place that's going to be, isn't it? You're looking at me as if I'm mental. There's nowhere else I that... can't imagine why you would leave it there for five days. It got after stuck. Day, after day two, wouldn't you go to the doctor? Or well, at least was... ask a friend for some assistance. <laughs> I was just wondering if you use those no longer lasting Duracell batteries that they've been advertising on the telly for NFL players. I mean, at what point did the batteries run out? I mean, did he get did he get two to three days worth out of there? Or do you know what I'm saying? But was five... that like one of those little remote control ones? I, I didn't go into detail. You mean when you press the button and next door's garage doors are going up and down? And the dog's ears kind of tilt. Yeah, the, 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 the head's cocked bit. his the dog's cocked his head slightly because he's hearing a high pitched whine, you know, at the Christmas dinner table. Because you know, I just. I just wondered, I think there's only one place that's going to be. Mr. Willis, who suffered from diabetes, was taken to Lewisham Hospital. <laughs> Why on earth would it? It seems very random, doesn't it? The least of this guy's problems is diabetes at this current you know, moment in time, isn't it? It's like was saying, he a large man? Mr. Willis, who suffered from an ingrained toenail. I mean, to be honest, at this stage, diabetes pals into insignificance, doesn't it? But he was taken to Lewisham Hospital when a concerned friend said... He should get help. He was admitted to intensive care with septic shock. Five days. This is like the five-day challenge, isn't it? Is really where we are. Why would a friend suggest help? He told his friend about it. Well, I'm guessing he must have imparted that information at some point. Because you don't randomly go up to a friend and in a psychic moment say... Say, yeah, have you... Well, bend over, let me have a look. With a flashlight. Hang on a second. Not a match, though. No, you're going to go on a... Long journey, you're going to meet a tall, dark stranger, you're going to come into uh, the number eight, he's going to be a very lucky number for you, and I can see romance in your near future, and wow, what's that, you know, it's uh, Steve Martin's career. Um, Adrian, I love Steve Martin! <laughs> <laughs> Stop it! And this is where we are. But it took five days, apparently, before he did anything about it, and unfortunately and it was too late. for that gentleman, I wonder if they buried him. 
in that kind of state. I just see. Do you it. take it out? I don't know. I mean, that would be very awkward, wouldn't it, for the Undertaker at that point? If I wouldn't a, want to find him two thousand years from now. Well, yeah, that would be fabulous for archaeologists, wouldn't it? That unearth a grave <laughs> in two thousand years' time and think it's some sort of strange pagan ritual, you know, where they've buried the body or one that got probed. Well, this is also a possibility. But if that becomes a fossil over time, that's going to leave some aliens in a couple of millennia with some difficult questions to answer, I would suggest. You would not want to be haunted by a ghost that had a pained look on its face, would you? There's a good reason why ghosts go, and uh, that could be one of them in actuality. And this is where we are. We come to the end of tonight's show. Well, all good things, of course, must come to an end. In last place, the K2 meter with the dead battery is Greg, who is on a resplendent but in first place with the $33,000 IR camera is Kim on seven points. Ooh. I am second on six and Heather, you threw everything away in the dying embers of the game and you are on five. You what? had points removed. I can't even remember why, but I think it was through being offensive towards me. <laughs> I suspect. We shall go back, listen to the tape and this will reaffirm everything that i've just said do not fear listener remember we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time and i would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal strange intriguing bizarre and weird please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my facebook site more questions and answers with adrian lee or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com my gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Jeton Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore, and all at the International Paranormal Society at intparanormal.net. And all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening. And remember, be interested and interesting. Good night. <laughs>